بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائب از دا سیکنڈ آف فیبروری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موڈ آن of the eminent companion Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu and I'm now mentioning his blessed name during the era of the Khilaf al-Rashidin and I mentioned that during Abu Bakr's Khalifat radiyallahu he had the honor of being in the campaign which was led by Sayyidina Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami radiyallahu in which he mentioned some amazing incidents which took place during the campaign And literally, it was like the laws of nature had been suspended. And not forgetting, this was after the Prophet's lifetime, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, as promised to mention a little bit about this noble companion. So, Hafiz ibn Kathir, he said in his Seerah, volume 4, page 4989 of the English translation, Sayyidina Al-Ala ibn Al-Hadrami, radiyallahu alayhi wa was a scribe of the divine revelation and was from the allies of the Banu Umayyad tribe. He had ten brothers apart from himself. From them is Sayyidina Shurih ibn al-Hadrami radiyallahu and he was from the best of the companions of whom Rasulullah said sallallahu alayhi wa He is a man who does not sleep on the Quran. This is in Nasai. Number 1784, Ahmad in his Musnad, number 15297, Sahih. Meaning, he does not leave it, but stands with it during the day and night. They all had one sister, and she was As-Sa'aba bint Al-Hadrami, the mother of Talha ibn Ubaidullah. Aidus, they were the maternal uncles of one of the ten promised paradise, Sayyidina Talha, radiyallahu He, Sayyidina Allah radiyallahu, is credited with three ahadith from Rasulullah So here, the great Ibn Kathir rahmatullahi, he's given you bullet points. So he said that Allah was a scribe of revelation. So this was an honor shared by very few companions. And he was allied to the, the powerful Banu Umayyad tribe. He was blessed to have many siblings. He had ten brothers. And one of them, the Prophet praised, and he had a great attachment to the Qur'an. It was his brother, Shurih ibn al-Hadrabi. And the Prophet ﷺ said, he is a man who does not sleep on the Qur'an, meaning he stands with it during the day and night. And then they had a sister. And the sister was the mother of Talha, one of the ten promised paradise, As-Sa'aba bint al-Hadrabi. So, Talha, radiyallahu, was the nephew of all these ten brothers. So this was a great honor for Sayyidina Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, radiyallahu. He was the maternal uncle of Talha, radiyallahu. And Ibn Kathir said he only narrated three hadith. Why? Because the senior sahaba passed away very quickly. They didn't get a chance to narrate many hadith. Also, it is mentioned about this man, Sayyidina Ala ibn al-Hadrami radiyallahu was the Amir of Bahrain for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
and after him Abu Bakr and Umar retained him there. It has been stated he passed away in 14 AH, i.e. as shown previously. But some have the view he survived until 21 AH. Sayyidina Umar replaced him in Bahrain with Abu Huraira and transferred him to Kufa. However, before he could take up his duties, he passed away whilst returning from the pilgrimage. Ay, thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So this is recorded in Al-Istiyab 2-2085, Asadul Ghaba 4-75, Al-Isaba 2-497, Al-Bidayah in the chapter on those who died in the year 21 AH. So what's strange? In many of the references, it mentions that he actually survived and he lived on into Umar's Khalifat. So the response there is this seems to be an error because another famous Sahaba, he was made the governor to, of Kufa and before he got there, he passed away. And I believe his name was Saeed ibn Amr or Amr ibn Saeed. So it seems to be that there's a confusion there. The reason is obviously he passed away. The report mentions this was during the campaign in Abu Bakr's Khalifa. But it mentioned that he passed away also 21 AH in Umar's Khalifa. Umar t- took him from the um, governorship of Bahrain and transferred him to Kufa. But he didn't get there, according to the report. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with Sayyidina Ala ibn al-Hadrami, the blessed scribe of the divine revelation, the governor, the mujahid, the ascetic and maternal uncle of the majestic Sayyidina Talha ibn Ubaidullah. And forgive us all for his honorable sake. Amen. So note, he's not well known. And the reason I think being is that he passed away shortly after the Prophet passed away. But nevertheless, amazing miracles took place during his uh, command of the Blessed Army. It is related that Sayyidina Abu Bakr, radiyallahu, upon hearing of the tragic passing of Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, radiyallahu, thereupon appointed Anas as the governor of Bahrain, radiyallahu. He then summoned Umar radiyallahu, and asked for his opinion. And Umar radiyallahu said, Certainly appoint and send Anas as the governor of Bahrain. For undoubtedly he is a most intelligent scribe, i.e. and fully competent. This is recorded by Qadi Athar Mubarak Buri in his Khairul Qurun. So this is how he became the governor. So Allah passed away radiyallahu. And Abu Bakr consulted with Umar. And Umar goes, he's an excellent choice to be a governor. So this shows despite his young age, he was worthy to lead. He was a governor in his 20s of the land of Bahrain. It is related. In Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, Qanzul Umal, volume 3, page 148, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 184 of the New English Translation, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, radiyallahu, appointed Anas, radiyallahu, to collect the zakat, which was one of the duties of the governor. However, by the time he returned, Abu Bakr radiyallahu had passed away. Umar radiyallahu asked him, O Anas radiyallahu, have you brought us some animals? When he replied, yes. Umar radiyallahu thereupon told him to hand over the animals and to keep the money for himself, i.e. for he was entitled to it. Anas radiyallahu said, but the money is a large amount of middle mu'mini. Umar radiyallahu insisted, take it even though it is much. Anas radiyallahu thereupon said, the money amounted to 4,000 
And I therefore became the richest person in Al-Madinah. So let's look at this. So this is recorded in Ibn Sa'd in his Tabakat Kanzul Umal, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 184 of the New English Translation. So he's performing his duty as the governor, and of course, he's collecting the zakat. But tragically, Abu Bakr leaves the world. So the, probably the last time he saw him was when he went with the campaign of Allah ibn al-Hadrami. When he comes back with the zakat, Umar radiyallahu basically said, keep the money. Now why did he say that? Because the collector of zakat is one of those who are entitled to zakat. So Anas said, is the money is a large amount. In other words, because it's too much for me. So Umar goes, take it, even though it's much. And just by that, he became the richest person in Al-Madinah. So what's happening? Rasulullah prayed for his wealth. So notice what's happening. Automatically, Allah is now blessing him. Further clarifying. Anas radiyallahu said, I arrived in Al-Madinah after Abu Bakr left the world radiyallahu. And Umar became the Khalif. I said to Umar, raise your hand so I may pledge at your hand what I pledged at the hand of your companion, that I will always listen and obey the instructions to the best of my ability. This is in Abu Dawud al-Tayalisi, Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf, Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, Kanzul Umal, volume 1, page 181, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 446 of the New English Translation. So he pledges to Umar and he goes, give me your hand so I can pledge to you like I pledged to Abu Bakr radiallah. Sayyidina Anas radiallah was around 23 years of age upon Umar's ascension to the high post. So you get this impression that he's now middle-aged, he's still young, 23. But look what he's done in those 23 brief years. If you look back at your own lives, what did you do by the age of 23? Right? So note, the Sahaba were filling their lives with virtue. So as mentioned briefly earlier, during the campaigns, Anas finally decided to settle in Basra. So the question everybody asks is, why did he decide to go there? The blessed governor of Basra at the time, Abu Musa al-Ashri, he would keep Anas amongst his inner circle. So there was a reason he went there, and I mentioned at the relevant time. But the governor was Abu Musa at the time. So there's an interesting report. In Abu Na'im al-Hiliyah, volume 1, page 259, Sheikh Abdul Hamid Tamhaz in his Anas ibn Malik al-Khadim al-Amin, page 135, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 440 of the New English Translation. Sayyidina Anas, he said, radiyallah, we were once on a journey with Abu Musa al-Ashari, radiyallah, when he heard people talking and having eloquent discussions. Abu Musa then said, O Anas, radiyallah, what benefit is there for me in this? Come, let us engage in the dhikr of our Lord. For it seems like these people can even skin a person with their tongues. <laughs> so stop in the report. So he's with Abu Musa. So he's one of the senior companions. And people are talking. No, they're not sinning, obviously. But they're just talking, you know, for Zoom. You know, nice weather. How's your father, Right. So look how irritated Abu Musa got, even though they're not sinning. He goes, what benefit is in this? He goes, Anas, come on, let's get together. Let's do some zikr. He goes, these people can skin a person with their tongues. Later he said, O Anas, why do you think the people delay in matters of the hereafter? 
and what has made some of them even oblivious to it. So he asked a very, very important question to Anas. He was saying, there's two types of people. One, they delay in the Akhirat. So these are the weak Muslims. Basically, I'll do Hajj when I'm 60. Those type of notice, right? Because they delay. The second, they obviously lost, right? He goes, somewhat oblivious. He goes, why is that? Why do you think that happens? So Anas said, I thought about this. And I said, I think it's two things. It is their desire and it is shaitan. Because their desires get the better of them. And of course, shaitan is constantly plotting. Abu Musa said, no. He goes, no, by Allah, that's not correct. It is because the world is before them, their very eyes. And the hereafter is hidden. It's still to come. Had they witnessed the hereafter, they would then never have turned away from it and would have never inclined to this world or Anas. SubhanAllah. So look at the amazing response. First of all, Anas' statement is correct, obviously. But it wasn't the answer Abu Musa was looking for. So the scholars say this shows that he wanted a deeper answer from him. So obviously you, the answer is right. Desires and shaitan. Nobody's going to argue over that. But he goes, no, meaning not from you. I'm not accepting that. What was the deeper reason? And isn't this so true? People are delaying because the world is enchanting them. And the hereafter is basically like they say, it's on credit. You promised it. So if something is constantly around you and something is something hidden behind a veil, where does your heart go? Right? This is why Imam Ghazali famously said people choose cash over credit. And he goes, the problem with that is the credit is far greater. <laughs> Otherwise, there is wisdom in it. So they choose cash over credit. Then look what he said, Abu Musa, radiyallahu Had they witnessed the Akhirah? So let's stop the report. What does that mean? Mm. That means before you die, you can see it. If you're willing to make efforts. Who saw the Akhirah before they passed away? <laughs> Uh, the companions of Musa Islam. Okay, you went far back, but the companions of the Prophet they saw the Akhirat and they made you know, statements that were hard to register. One companion, I can't even remember his name, so he must be a junior Sahab. The Prophet once asked him, sorry, the Sahab goes, Ya Rasulullah, I think my Iman is, is firm. So the Prophet Wasallam said, there's a proof to every statement. What's your proof? And look what he said. Because I can see paradise and I can see people enjoying themselves in it. I can see hell and the people getting uh, punished. I see the angels doing tawaf around the arsh. And he went on and on. And then the Prophet said, yes. He goes, now keep it. Be steadfast. Now be honest. What have we seen? Right? That, he said, is what's causing you to choose the world. So what he was beautifully telling Anas was, you should be given more precise answers, deeper answers. So now, how is that possible? And the answer is, there are ways and means to get this. But you have to strive. One of the ways to see some of the unseen is the Qur'an. And that's why shaitan makes everybody fear, fearful of the Qur'an. They don't study it, they don't read it, they can't recite it, they're not bothered about it. MashaAllah, good luck. 
they, so there's a famous hadith in Sayyid Bukhari and the report says that a companion he got agitated his horse because he was reciting the Quran and he saw lumps when he went to the Prophet the next day the Prophet Sallallahu said those were the angels if you had continued reciting they would not have hidden themselves and the people of Al-Madina would have seen them so now that's the hadith so what's the meaning of the hadith if you have a great attachment to the Quran who gets attached to you angels if your intensity increases for the Quran what happens angels start appearing before you did the Sahaba see the angels every other day right who was that did you see him because that was Jibreel did you see him that was Jibreel and you hear it all the time so this is what Iman is to the highest degree and if you read Surah Baqarah at the beginning Allah Ta'ala hints towards it Allah Ta'ala says right at the beginning of the Quran in Surah Baqarah Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alif Lam Mim Thalik al-Kitab La Rayba Fi Hudal Al-Muttaqeen Al-Ladheena Yu'minun Bil-Ghayb Wa Yuqimun As-Salata Wa Mimma Razaqnahum Yunfiqoon Wal-Ladheena Yu'minun Bima Unzila Ilayka Wa Ma Unzila Min Qablik Wa Bil-Akhiratihum Yuqinun So Allah Ta'ala mentions at the beginning of the Surah Baqarah Alif Lam Mim This is the book in which there is no doubt And he continues those who believe and then Allah mentioned what you need to believe but then just a few sentences further down what does Allah say and they have yaqeen in the hereafter but isn't that iman yaqeen is something you see with your eyes so Allah is telling you right at the beginning of the Quran that you can get to that level there is yaqeen but are you willing to strive for it? And once you see bye-bye to the world, you know, and you're never going to turn back to the world. Unfortunately, we've seen nothing because we're not striving. So our iman is weak. And this is the kindness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can die without this and still pass. But what did the Salaf say? He goes, how sad a life not to taste paradise before you enter paradise. That's the statement of the Salaf. So I read that and I thought, what does that mean? It means that most of us don't taste paradise until we get there. We soon do. And Ibn Taymiyyah was one of them. <laughs> he would say things which people, you know, even the jailers would find strange. Because he would be so happy in prison that the jailers thought, what is this? And then uh, his students, Hafiz Ibn Qayyim and many others of this, uh, from his, uh, from his uh, students, they said, when we were stressed, we would rush to jail. <laughs> Look how strange the statement is. What did, what did they say? If somebody goes, I'm stressed. He goes, why? Because I'm in jail. What will take the stress away when I get out of jail? He goes, very good. Because there was a time when people would do the opposite. He goes, what are you talking about? Because they would be free, but they would be stressless when they entered jail. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, even Taymiyyah. If we just look at him and he goes, all the cares and goodies would go. Now, if he had that impact on others, what state was he in? Right? So note here, look at how beautiful. Anas, the serious Sahaba, are still training him. He's in his 20s. You know, he's in Basra. He's with the great Abu Musa. And he's training him. And this is why the Akhirat is so distant from us. Why? Because we haven't seen anything. And that's why you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Aik for these gifts, not to make us anything special, but to make our iman firm, to have yaqeen in the akhirat. Sayyidina Abu Musa radiyallahu would often send Anas as his envoy to Al-Madinah. In Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, volume 4, page 162, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 761 of the New English Translation, Anas radiyallahu said, Abu Musa al-Ashari radiyallahu once sent me to Umar radiyallahu. Upon arrival, Umar radiyallahu asked, How was al-Ashari when you left, O Anas? I replied, he was busy teaching the Quran to the people when I left. Umar thereupon said, Radiallahu, take note, he is an extremely intelligent man. But don't let this reach his ears. <laughs> then he said, How were the uncouth Bedouins when you left? <laughs> Stop in the report. So Abu Musa sent Anas. Umar radiallahu said, how was Al-Ashari? He's the governor. And what did he say? Is this, is this how you describe a governor? How did you leave your governor? He was teaching the Quran to the people when I left. What would he say? He's uh, in his uh, palace and, uh, you know, he's, he's stressed out. Mashallah, right? So when he heard that, what did Umar radiallahu say? He's very intelligent. But don't let him hear that. Because don't dare you tell him that. Then he said something, and this, this is quite funny. He goes, how were the Bedouins? How were the like, rough ones? So Anas, I asked, are you referring to the Ashadis? So Umar goes, no, no, I'm talking about the people of Basra. How are those Bedouins? So I said, oh, Amir al-Mu'mineen, they would be extremely offended to hear this. So Umar then said, then don't tell them. However, I will inform you. Why I've called them Bedouins? They will all remain Bedouins except for the man amongst them whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses with the desire to wage jihad in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because this is why I call them Bedouins or Anas. And the report continues. So now what's happening? Who's teaching him? Everywhere he's going, right? Sahaba looking after him. So he goes to Basra, Abu Musa takes him under his wing. He goes back to Medina, Amir al-Mu'minin goes, come here. And he's talking to him, but at the same time he's teaching him. So, <laughs> and he's actually telling him, don't mention the prayers to Abu Musa. Umar had a soft spot for Abu Musa, radiyallahu. When he was fatally wounded, he said to, he goes, my successor should dismiss the governors, but leave Abu Musa. He goes, another two years, give him another two years. And there's other things which he mentioned about him, but he was very close. Why? Because he had a great connection to the Quran. But how did he describe the bus, the people of Basra? Bedouins. So now what does that mean? In Probably an equivalent in the West. You call them travelers. You know, like people who don't stay in one home. You're like derogatory. You say like, they're like gypsies. How was the gypsies? So Anas thought, because they're going to get really offended if you hear. Why don't tell them? Then I'm telling you. But then he goes, aren't you going to ask me why I've called them uh, travelers? He goes, they'll always remain travelers unless they do jihad. So what was Anas being told? He goes, inspire the people. I too, because the deen has to be established in the world before we leave. And it was established. 
and what who which companion finally said that the deen is now established and it will never be erased which sahaba said it anybody know on his deathbed mm-hmm. well before was it muawiyah it was during umar khadifat but it was the sahaba it was the hadith is in imam ahmad's musnad Mu'ad ibn Jabal is dying from the plague and a person comes and he's weeping so he goes why are you weeping <laughs> and this was funny I thought he's weeping because he's dying because I'm weeping because the knowledge I'm getting from you is going to go he goes who am I going to go to to stop in the report have we got that desire for knowledge And at the same time, wouldn't you think he's going to get offended by that? I'm dying. And you're bothered about knowledge. Mu'ad was very happy. He goes, don't worry. He goes, there was nobody with any knowledge in the world. Allah Ta'ala gave it to Ibrahim. And then he says, now the deen is settled. It can never be erased. Allahu Akbar. How quickly was it settled? Mu'ad was saying, Allah Ta'ala sent this plague as a sign basically to say, Mission accomplished. Nobody's going to erase Islam from the face of the earth. How quickly did they do it? This was maybe the fifth year of Umar's Khalifa, sixth year. So just eight years after the Prophet. Mm. Unprecedented, right? And what we done after that, 1,400 years. You work here, ain't it? Right? So because the deal is established. Then he says, go to four. And I mentioned the four some other time. And he mentioned, go to these four. And he goes, they have got knowledge. And Allah's blessed So Umar was basically teaching Anas, go to them and inspire them to do jihad. Why? Because it's not established yet. This is why we are launching these campaigns to sell the deen into the lands of uh, on the earth. So Islam will be here to stay for good. And look at the efforts that they made. That's why the ulama said if it wasn't for the sahaba, there'd be no deen. Look at the superhuman efforts they made in such a short time. They, 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 you know, they settled. And who took them out? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a plague. As if to say, if you stay, the whole world is going to become Muslim. So Allah ta'ala sent a plague and 30,000 of the Muslims were blessed with martyrdom. Subhanallah. So all I mentioned today was basically a very short, you know, CV with regards to the great Sayyidina Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami radiyallahu to get a connection with this great company. And then I mentioned... Um, Anas being appointed the governor of Bahrain and then he comes back to pledge his allegiance to Umar radiyallahu and then I mentioned that he ended up in Basra but I mentioned why that was at the relevant time and the companion Abu Musa teaching him and then on his return Amir al-Mu'mini radiyallahu Are there any questions? سبحان بحمد اسمان کا اللهم بحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك واذكر بالله من الشيطان الرجيم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل ان الانسان لفي خسر الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات واصبحوا الحق وروحوا الشرق الله لا